Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. This week we're looking at the energy crisis from the angle of home energy management systems, or HEM, as they're often known in the acronym-filled industry that we all work in. And to discuss uh, HEM and the energy crisis, I'm joined by two colleagues at Delta EE, Arthur Yehnek. Hello, Arthur. Hi, John. And Zushan Young. Hello, Zushan. Hi, John. Um, Arthur, you've been working or looking at the HEM sector for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, since uh, the early days of my career for the past 10 years. And uh, while in the past we called uh, HEM almost anything that was related to smart thermostats, it has changed a lot uh, in the in the, in the the past 10 years. And, and now it is an, an exciting time to see what the future might look like for this sort of uh, services. So you've been patient for many years, Arthur, because it's been, I guess, an embryonic market. If if uh, listeners can picture a hockey stick shaped curve, where it's flat at the beginning and then there's a a change in the curve and then it gets steeper, where where are we on that curve, Arthur? Do you think at the moment? Well, just at the angle where it starts to grow interestingly. Okay. And I guess that angle started six months ago, when the uh, when the crisis uh, started from energy prices and then Ukraine, and. Uh, it feels like, yeah, the, the technology has been here for a long time, Yeah, but there wasn't really a need for customers to, I don't know, optimize their PV system because they were filling tariffs. There were no dynamic tariffs or not many. And now all of this plus the energy crisis means that customers are really pursuing this sort of, uh, this sort of systems to help optimize their energy uh, at home and therefore save money. So is it fair to say HEM was a technology let's call it that but was the technology looking for a market and now it's found its market or is that a bit strong yeah no exactly the the hem market was driven by engineers who love to put products together and and do some optimization and and things like that and uh, luckily in the past 10 years technology has improved Uh, the connected markets uh, improved as well and therefore the user interface for stuff in the home really improved and customers are, are okay now to have things uh, being controlled remotely. But today, really, it's not an engineering thing. It's a tool that will help customers save money. Mm. And there are more than 80 companies offering this in Europe alone. And uh, customer demand is increasing because people want to buy uh, solar PV to avoid uh, having to buy electricity from the grid. Uh, people uh, want to make use of the time of use tariffs available. And, uh, and they are looking for systems to help them optimize all of this together. And, uh, and therefore, we see a really bright future for the systems for those who are already positioned in the market. Well, we can debate in the next uh, 25 minutes or so how steep that uh, change in the direction of the line is going to be. Um, Zushang, some of our listeners will have heard the acronym HEM for the first time listening to this episode. And home energy management, or oh, what does it mean? Arthur, you've given a few glimpses as to what it uh, what it means. Can you just take a uh, half a minute or a minute, Zushang, to explain what we actually mean by home energy management? Yeah, definitely. So um, a HEM or HEMS, when it comes to home energy management systems, 
And the short version of the definition is really a system that helps homeowners to optimize the energy flows in the home, try to create some value in terms of the financial value and comfort value for the homeowners. And to achieve that, uh, there are many ways, but a home energy management system can really to achieve that kind of optimization in an automatic way and to uh, help customers to really to to reduce their energy and consumption and to at the same time to reduce their energy bill. So that is the principle of the uh, hemp proposition. Okay, and it's it's focusing very much on the timing of energy consumption, um, maybe as well as the amount of energy consumed, but very much so on the timing of energy. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And a key point is that it should create um, value for the homeowners uh, because you can see a lot of propositions in the market that are controlling the loads, the asset at home. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those are, those propositions are created to create value um, primarily for the system, for the grid or for the company uh, themselves. But in our definition, we think a, a hem proposition need to uh, at least to share some of those value to the homeowners. Yeah. And what's what's really interesting as well is that the the electricity loads in the home, and what we mean by that is an EV charger, a PV system, a heat pump, a hot water tank, a battery. All of these products, the market for these products are exploding across Europe because of the decarbonization, because of the, the crisis, because of the... Uh, uh, of all the energy efficiency debates that we have. And by having so many uh, big loads in the home, customers will consume a lot more electricity. And as you said, the question is, when will the electricity be cheaper? When will it be available? And uh, to how can we how can we make sure that this electricity is used at the best times and uh, to the minimal um, amount so that customers end up paying less than they, they would have otherwise. And that's the, that's the key, I think, surrounding the whole HEM concept. And this okay. is what we think will be the, the future. So if a lot of it's about the timing of when these appliances, when these uh, products that you mentioned, Arthur, are using energy or using electricity um, or storing it, are there markets where there's no value in that timing, where actually if I have my... PV generating during the day and exporting and in the evening I have my heat pump running at the same time as my car's charging I don't care because my tariff is purely for how much not for when so is that is there a question about okay in principle there should be value but can you is is there actually value in the market yeah so Let's say five, 10 years ago in some countries, uh, if you bought solar PV, you were paid for exporting that electricity to the grid. And therefore there was very little incentive to self-consume your mm-hmm. uh, your PV production because anyway, you got money from from not using it. In some countries, there is also a net metering system where actually when you export PV, it's that you are basically running your, your meter backwards, which means you're basically getting uh, free money or free electricity in the future. Yeah. You don't care so when in these that, cases, yeah. yeah, exactly. It didn't matter. Yeah. Now, like the feed-in tariffs and the net meterings are, are going away in most countries, or not are not interesting enough, and therefore people are, are left with solar PV on their on their roof and say, okay, what do I do with this? How can I make sure that uh, I use it uh, as much as possible? And while solar PV is during the day, and your EV charging might be 
uh, at night. Well, maybe the day where your car is at home at 4 p.m., for example, you might want to make sure that all the PV production is going there and uh, and telling the car, well, actually, before you might charge at night because it's cheaper electricity, actually, no, focus on the charging when there is free electricity. This is the sort of concepts that, are, that really make sense. But it depends a lot, obviously, on the habits of customers and the habits are changing a lot because sometimes people are at home, sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. Uh, and uh, and the systems have to really learn how to to understand customers, how to understand comfort levels, how to understand how much charging you need in your car, these sort of things. And that's uh, that's what will matter. So today, the value remains small, but the electricity prices increasing make that value actually growing as well. And we don't expect energy prices to go anywhere near back to where they were. Mm. And therefore, the value is really there and the payback for these systems might be really uh, interesting at the moment. Okay, so if you've got uh, PV on your roof and you don't have a feed-in tariff, so you're, or if you've got an incentive to self-consume that PV, that will make a lot of sense. Uh, dynamic tariffs, I guess, exactly. are another source of value and they're, they're not widespread, but they're popping up in more and more places. Um, yeah, uh, for example, in France, uh, I think energy suppliers who has more than 200,000 uh, customers are mandated to provide tariff tariff, and that is becoming more and more common in many other markets. So especially when the energy prices is really high today, there will be more fluctuation of the prices when it becomes dynamic. So that will provide more and more value for customers to be able to yeah, uh, for a system to help customers mm-hmm. to arbitrage from that kind of dynamic uh, prices. And it's one thing to save a few a few cents when putting on your dishwasher at the time of a, uh, a when the tariff is cheap, but if you can automatically run your heat pump when that tariff is cheap, you can save a lot more than a few cents. You save many euros. Yeah, exactly. Ten years ago, I, I saw some people talking about uh, putting a smart plug for your fridge or your washing machine and and things like that to save really cents on the, on your bill. But but actually, what makes sense is the it's the the heat pump, the the hot water, or the, the EV charging, the battery, this sort of stuff. And uh, if I'm a customer and I say I want to have twenty degrees in my home at six p.m. for example. But if I have free electricity or cheaper electricity at four, maybe I tell my heat pump to just heat up my home at 22 degrees ahead of me arriving home so that I don't need to have my heating turned on at the peak uh, prices at 6, 6 p.m., for example. So this is really how to adapt to comfort levels of the of the homeowner based on on the kind of the variables that is, he or she is willing to uh, to get uh, at certain points in, in the day. And, uh, and, that, and that combined with... Free PV uh, or free electricity from PV or different tariffs every day is really interesting. And we've seen people trying to do that themselves because oh, I get a signal that to the, in the next hour the, the electricity is cheap and I, and I turn on something. But actually, people don't really care about doing that themselves and they will never actually. So they end up losing money probably. What well, we need is systems that do that automatically and optimize that uh, by learning the habits of customers, by prompting customers to tell the machine what they, what they actually want. And also looking at the price signals from the grid to see what's, what we can do actually to help them save money. Reminds me of a, a story when demand. So a lot part of this is demand response. What we've talked about so far, I think, is implicit demand response. There's explicit demand response when um, where the flexibility from 
thousands of HEM systems can be aggregated and sold to the system operator, for example, or the uh, the, the DSO. So um, it reminds me of a story in the US when demand response was first emerging. Uh, it was before before the Internet of Things, and the aggregators would send faxes, for example, to hotels to say, can you turn down your demand? And talking to one hotel energy manager, uh, in this case, so he, he'd get a fax, and then he'd send some poor colleague running to every ice-making machine on every floor of the hotel to switch it off. So that's the most manual uh, demand-side response you can get. And... Also, I guess, and maybe maybe one or two homeowners would, that would do the same thing in their home, but largely this needs to be fully automated, intelligent, smart, and as you described at the beginning, we've now got the technology to execute that really, really well. Yeah, and customer centric. Like uh, I, I, I'm looking around in France because I'm based in France for for solar PV and battery systems and, and HEMS, and and actually a lot of the companies just provide a system with basic monitoring of uh, of production and self-consumption. Mm-hmm. What people really want is also to see if there is an optimization, what's happening, how much you've saved, what if I change this particular habit or the temperature of the driving of my car and what impact that has on my energy bill. And mm-hmm. once we have this engagement with customers, this starts to become real and customers talk to each other, uh, recommend to each other specific companies, etc. So it can't be just a a simple, basic, non-really look, slick-looking uh, app. It has to be uh, the best-in-class apps so that customers uh, engage and understand the values from these systems. So it's it's quite a complex uh, set of capabilities or value chain, isn't it? Because you need technically to connect to the heat pump, the battery, the, the, the PV inverter. Um, you need great customer interface and a really good app and behavioral science to, to engage customers in the right way. You need um, a lot of IoT, Internet of Things capability to get that data back to the cloud. And then you need uh, the interface with the energy tariffs, with the energy markets to work out how you optimize every device. Um, hard work to do, but Arthur, 80 companies doing it, 80 companies doing all of it or part of it or lots of alliances with people working together. Yeah, Sushank may actually know more on details, but uh, what, what what is missing from your list is the, the license to supply energy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, uh, I mean, some of these hem companies are starting to think about uh, and have, some of them have done like, uh, like Tiber or Avatar or MyLet Systems have started to become an energy supplier because it makes a lot of sense to sell energy to customers and then help them reduce as much as possible their energy mm-hmm. consumption uh, from that. So on top of everything you said, having a license to supply energy. But yeah, Sushank, there are lots of different types of companies and they are not at the same level of, uh, of technicalities. Yeah, definitely. We can see an inverter companies, we can see battery companies, EV charge pump providers, heat pump providers, many types of providers uh, or manufacturers uh, in the market today. And they're all coming from different industry, but now they meet together in the house. And previously, they don't care about each other because they don't have to talk to each other. But now with more and more people have more than one or two um, assets at home, there is a growing need for yeah, for a solution to help homeowners to control and to op- optimize all different types of products. That's why 
we need some solutions to achieve interoperability to be able to control multiple appliances to achieve yeah uh, create more value for and we are own. when we are so far from that like Sushang and I were at uh, Smarter E in Munich two weeks ago, <clears throat> the big, uh, the old interstellar event where all the PV companies meet up. And now there are lots of uh, EV charge point companies, battery companies, and, and so on. And when you ask people and companies what is their strategy with interoperability to uh, interact with people, uh, with, uh, with products from other companies, it's not really open. It's the same issue as we had with uh, smart thermostats and boilers. It's just mm. everyone is doing its own thing in its own corner and products don't really talk to each other. And if they do, it's at a very basic level. So a major barrier to developing HEM system and making it a big success in Europe will be to to get these companies to talk to each other and have common, uh, common protocols, common communications and, and share technical data about their products so that, so that we can achieve this. Hmm. But so far, as Sushang explained, everyone wants to be in the middle of this. Everyone realizes that there is value to be gained, maybe in five or ten years. And everyone wants to protect their own business. And it's really counterproductive with this uh, with this development. So we strongly believe, I strongly believe, that the future winners are very likely to be the ones that are able to be open, to integrate with lots of other products, uh, and ultimately be in the middle of discussions for home energy management. Well, there's a, a phrase I hear often, which is open always wins or uh, go alone, go slow, go fast, go together. Um, I guess that, that applies to him. Um, I want to move on now to the energy crisis and what we see after you talked about that, that inflection point in that hockey stick shaped curve is where we're at. Um, would one of you like to describe why the energy crisis is driving interest in him or how the energy crisis is driving interest in him at the moment? Uh, I can go first and then Sushan can go. But first is Sushan and I live in France. Electricity prices have been really, really low for decades because of nuclear energy. Suddenly, with the, uh, the energy crisis, prices have gone up to the roof, like really, really bad. And people who were not on the regular tariff, got really big, big bills for electricity. Mm. I'm part of that, and believe me, that hurts. Uh, so when you see that, you're like, okay, why Why is that my electricity bill that high? What did I consume? Is it my, my heating? Is it my hot water? Is it something else? It's like, am I willing to continue paying that much money for electricity, or, or should I do something about this? And we know from our analysis that electricity prices are very volatile and it's impossible to predict. But the reality is that it's very, very likely that this will continue. It will probably even get worse in the next years and decades because mm. of uh, gas supply and etc. So now is the time for customers to get this shock, digest it, and then think about, okay, now what can we do to actually not spend a huge part of our, uh, of our income on just electricity, which we didn't before. Um, and that is driving anything related to energy efficiency, whether it is replacing... Uh, a bad heating system with a more efficient one, whether it is electrifying because uh, gas is unavailable, uh, whether it is replacing my car with, a, with an electric car, uh, whether it is sharing electricity between uh, between consumers, etc. And that is really what's, what the energy crisis means for the rate of the market. And the fact that it went so quickly really shocked, I think, people uh, in Europe and uh 
and there will be solutions developed to to help them do that. Uh, but now is the right time to to be in that market, I think. So when you talk yeah, with the um, sorry, go on, Fisher. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I fully agree with uh, Arthur. So um, actually, the electrification of uh, home appliances and also the deployment of PV has started years ago because of energy transition. But the current energy crisis has really accelerated this and just creating stronger willingness from end mm. customers um, because people are searching for um, non-gas uh, device systems and uh, appliances and also they're searching for their uh, energy independ independence. So they're really turning more to uh, solar PV, battery and also electric heating, electric mobility, for example. Mm. And for the customers, it's really about reducing their energy bills. And at the same time, it would be really good to have some positive impact on the environment as well. And also for our grid system with more and more of those kind of um, electric loads being uh, deployed, I think there's a growing need to balance uh, the grid and also to to keep the state uh, stability of the grid. So there's a two uh, change uh, from the customer side and also from the system side, which uh, lead to uh, the growth of home energy management systems, which can really to optimize those increasing loads uh, in the residential sector. I think that's a really nice way to think about it, Sushang. Uh, it's got to be a fantastic customer proposition and it's got to work to share or to uh, create value for customers and reduce their bills. It's also got to work for the energy system and provide that flexibility in response to both direct price signals or uh, implicit demand side response and explicit demand side response uh, where the value of that flexibility can be sold to the market and hem systems are in a way the glue that joins all of that together and optimizes multiple multiple appliances in the home um, the interest yeah definitely it's not only a customer driven market yeah mm. but also regulation are changing to open some use cases for 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 hem systems. So Arthur, can you give us a feel for how the market's getting excited about this? Are we seeing lots of new product launches? Uh, are we seeing companies a step away from having product in the market, but now really accelerating their plans? A bit of both? What sort of companies are active? How, what, what's this market feel like at the moment? I would say it's really buzzing. Uh, Again, referencing the event that, that uh, Sushang and I attended smartly two weeks ago, on one of the, the stands, there was a, uh, a wheel of fortune uh, mm. on paperboard. And uh, and by spinning the wheel, you could end up on uh, on heating, on hot water, on cooling, on EV charging, on PV, on battery, and, and all of this. And that was uh, what we referred it as the, the HEM wheel of fortune. <laughs> and basically, every company active in any part of this wheel is thinking, Okay, I've been selling this product for a while. I've been this has been growing nicely because of the land transition, but now things are changing so fast. There are so many business opportunities. Where can I, uh, where, where can I sell my products uh, even more? Uh, how can I help customers save more energy? Should I go to different product categories? Like if I sell heating, should I sell any charge points? Yeah. Uh, if I sell PV, should I should I uh, com combine with the heat pump to do something? Everyone is basically talking about it. The scary thing is because it has happened so fast that not a lot of people actually understand what's happening. 
they might understand it in their country, but across Europe and beyond, it's very hard for them to, to grasp what's happening. Yeah, but because the regulations that everyone is talking about. The regulations around things like uh, self-consumption of PV and feed-in tariffs are different in every country. So the, the value streams yeah, are completely reg- different. Regulations, uh, energy prices, uh, availability of installers, mm. uh, customers' awareness, this sort of stuff uh, is, different, uh, is different everywhere. Uh, and that is, is really changing uh, everywhere at the moment, and, and the understanding is very low. Um, when you've got a very fragmented market like that, Arthur, often you'll end up with uh, companies driving it in one particular market. So you'll end up with a very large number of small companies active in their home market. Do you see international companies who have the potential to scale this, maybe to create a product, adapt it locally, but international companies that have the scale, the budgets to really put towards doing this at a, a European level? And are they starting to get active and drive this? Yeah, I really think, I mean, for me, there are two types of companies that are really well positioned uh, to do this. Uh, but these are corporate, so it's mm. sometimes difficult to get things moving in a specific direction very quickly. Uh, the first type of company is obviously energy suppliers because yeah. they supply energy. So a, uh, a big energy supplier active in different European markets has a big advantage that they have people in a country who are in other markets. They might be already selling services or products like solar PV and they can see the trends going. And as a synergy, they could potentially do something across uh, across Europe. Their problem is they are not necessarily aligned between different countries and even internally. Okay, but they the could build a type they, of company. Yes. They could build a common platform and then adapt that locally if they have the right strategy and way of executing that. Yeah, they could. And, and yeah. a lot of them are trying. The problem is uh, often uh, these companies are in the dinosaur category and we need a lot more agile startup-like um, developments in order to, to get that customer uh, the, the, the customer experience right. Yeah. And the second type of company is the uh, electricity OEMs. And by that, I mean those who are building electrical switchboards, uh, sockets, plugs, anyone really who knows about electricity in this and who has a network of installers and electricians in most of the countries that they have. Because when you want to sell solar PV with hemp system, you need to be able to explain to your installer what actually what it is hemp. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, PV is doing really well. Why would it do something different? But actually, there is value for you in doing this as well. Um, and these guys know about electricity. It's not something new. It's something that they are experts in. And uh, they have the capability to develop the right technology, the right software, potentially, if they are, uh, if they are agile enough. And, uh, and therefore distributed to the uh, the rest of the uh, the installer and the follow customer. So these are the two main companies, but I guess, Sushang, there may be others that uh, we, uh, we have identified who might be interesting as well to follow. Mm, I think I agree that those are the two types of players who has the ability to scale. But today, uh, in the current market, we are seeing most of the dynamic uh, and active players are some of these integrators but most of them are more active uh, locally because they mm. know more about the local players. They have worked very hard to try to integrate different types of products. But when these move to another market, some technical uh, uh, details will be different. Some market dynamics will be different. So yeah, and comparing to the two mentioned by uh, Arthur, I think integrators will yeah, face some more challenge uh, when it comes to 
yeah, different markets and different customers. I think it's a fascinating market because you've got the uh, the OEMs, the EV charge EV charge point manufacturers, who you described earlier, they can build capability into this into their products. Some of them are already doing that and able to connect them uh, to heat pumps, to hot water tanks, to inverters, and uh, and so on. So partnerships feels like the key word to me. That complex value chain. Some companies may be able to do it all themselves, but I think most will have to partner. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on now, getting towards the end of the podcast. So move on to the talking new energy crystal ball. Get it out and put it on the desk in front of me. Um, I'm going to set the dial this week to 2030, and I'd like you to give our listeners a feel for how big. The, this market could be in terms of households with home energy management functionality, systems, product by 2030. Um, and one thought on who you think will be lead, what type of company will be leading that market in 2030, uh, acknowledging that it may well be partnerships as well. So number of homes with home energy management functionality in 2030 and uh thoughts on the type of company that will be really important in driving this to 2030. Zushan, do you want to go first and then Arthur? Yeah, uh, I think the market is going to grow very fast. I think in our previous search, we are um, expecting a uh, 20% of annual growth rate um, from 2020 uh, to 2030. And that was an estimation pre uh, crisis. So, uh, we think that considering the current background, this will uh, this market is going to grow uh, quicker than we expected. And in terms of the different players, I think we had a customer research to ask people who they really expect uh, a hemp solution come from. And 60% of customers has expecting uh, any supplier to mm. provide this solution. So uh, when it comes to the direct relationship between a solution provider and the customers, I think energy suppliers are really at a very good um, position to offer this. But to provide a such a complex um, solution or uh, platform, any suppliers cannot do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. They need to partner with some, yeah, some solution vendors like integrators and to partner with some uh, OEMs to be able to um, be compatible with those different types of products. So, yeah. Um, that would be very exciting to see those kind of partnerships come to the market. I guess the other thing, Zhang, that energy suppliers can do is capture some of the value if they're settling on. For those that are into the nitty-gritty details of how energy retail works, if they can settle on actual load profiles rather than standard load profiles, then they can access a big chunk of value that others won't be able to access. Um, Arthur, how about you? Uh, a view from view from 2030 as the crystal ball takes us eight years forward so i i really think that in terms of the market for houses at least where it's easier to do hemp than flats mm. i think 20 percent of european houses will have a hemp system by 2030 so that means tens of millions of homes already equipped compared to maybe less than one today yeah so and, that's uh, a steepness again that's in, because that's the steepness in the curve and the hockey stick curve starting to kick in exactly yeah. Exactly. And that's in 10 years. And I, it's possible that it will be even faster than this. Uh, but I think 20% of houses is a 
is something I would put my uh, my money on today. Uh, but if you were a betting man, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the winner on this, I think someone like Tesla, if they wanted to, could do it mm-hmm. because they they have a uh, they have EVs, they have EV charge points, they have batteries, uh, they are solar installers. Uh, they could potentially enter the heat pump market if they wanted to. So while they are mostly focusing on the US and other markets, maybe someone who is a massive, massively innovative company like Tesla and who understands the business model in five years or 10 years time will be potentially disruptive the market. Mm. There are already some startups out there that are really, really fascinating, some of which have been established for four or five years, some of which are really new. And I think one of these players is possibly going to be the one of the biggest uh, actors in, in the hemp place. Uh, mm. It's just, again, t- we need to have this European overview. We need to have this technology overview. And we need to have the customer at the heart of the proposition. Well, it's going to be exciting to see that uh, hockey stick curve unfold over the next years. Um, I... I really believe that in the medium term, it's very clear that the value of energy will be in the timing. HEM systems are critical to unlocking that, and they can share a lot of that value with customers as well. So um, we not only, I think, will we have lots of HEM systems, we need lots of HEM systems if we're going to succeed in the transition. So uh, Arthur Zushang, thanks very much for your time, for sharing your views. Um, an exciting market to be looking at. Listeners, hope you enjoyed the episode and that shed a bit more light onto the, the world of home energy management. We've talked about it before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again in future episodes. And look forward to welcoming you back to the episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.